Welcome to the Learning Capacity Podcast. You're with Colin Klupik. A warm welcome to you wherever you happen to be listening in, whether it's in the car or on the couch or in the kitchen. This podcast is brought to you by LearnFast Australia, helping to improve student learning outcomes with neuroscience-based programs since 1999. In this episode, we talk with Steve Miller, Chief Scientist at Novanix, about his current research in the area of attention and paying attention. If you're a parent or teacher, you've probably told children to pay attention thousands of times, but do we really know what we're asking them to do? Is there a better way to express the need for paying attention? And are there better ways of understanding it? One thing that stands out in this conversation is the language we use surrounding attention. Even suggesting that attention can be like turning the spotlight of our brain on can be very useful. So let's find out more about this emerging area of research. Steve Miller, welcome to the conversation. Uh, Hi, Colin. It's uh, great to be here. Now, you're doing a lot of work with attention and uh, attention hardware and software that you're developing. Wondering if you could just help us out here by by answering, why is attention considered to be such an important cognitive function? Attention really is... um the organized thinking of, uh, of the processing of our information. So it's our, uh, in many ways, it's what we, um, decide to process selectively out of the, all the information that's currently available to us. So if we worry about things like, um, re- um learning and memory attention provides that initial filter. So if it, if you don't attend it, um, it's much more difficult to, uh, have an impact on a learning system. Uh, so the first thing that has to happen is you kind of have to put your brain's spotlight on it. And that uh, recruitment of that energy and, and that ability to hold that light on it so that one can recognize it, discriminate it, figure out whether they've seen it before, put it within a context, um, and possibly encode it, and then um, retrieve other relevant information around it to have a conversation. All that requires a certain attentional spotlight to be on that information during that time period. So attention um, in many ways uh, isn't as important as some other later processing when we think about learning, except that if it doesn't start with attention, you really don't have a lot of learning going on. I noticed teachers will often say in a classroom, perhaps sometimes out of exasperation or sometimes because they actually really want someone to pay attention to something, but they'll just, I guess they'll just automatically use the phrase, can you please pay attention to this? And I wonder whether when students listen to that, they've heard it so many times that it just kind of washes over. Have you got any suggestions for different language that we can use to help someone recognize the fact that, oh, actually, I need to turn that spotlight on? Um, That's a great question. And that that goes right at the heart of what so many teachers ask for. And that is they want students to become more aware of how their how their mind's eye, so to speak, how the, how their brain is involved and critical for their learning. And so that um, you're right, kids hear that all the time. And we don't always know if they're paying attention when they're looking at us. And sometimes they kind of make their eyes bug out to make it look like they're really focusing. <laughs> um, but but that, you know, in for a teacher, that's really, those are all the, the, the cues that you have. You, you know, is a child looking at me? Do they appear on task? Does their movements appear uh, timely appropriate with what I'm asking them to do? Uh, if I say, look over here, are they looking? You know, is it temporally close in time, watching their, their head move. And so we just believe that they're paying attention. 
what one of the things that I'm trying to do is actually bring technology that quantifies attention to the individual teacher slash learner so that they get feedback of what it means to actually pay attention. And so that's what's um, so critical and, and, and so much the point of what we're trying to do, which is give a student feedback to say, um, okay, you just tried to learn something for 20 minutes. How much time did you attend? What was your focus? Um, and not so much, you know, attention really isn't I attended, I didn't attend. It's really how much attention are you allocating to the task? Uh, so you can kind of think about it as I have the ability to, to focus 100% of my attention. I can also focus 20% of my attention on a given task. And when I do that, that 20%, I'm probably not going to learn as much. Um, at the same time, we can't walk around all day allocating 100% of attention to just a small part of our environment. We need to be, um, we need to have moments of reflection and um, and uh, meditation that allow us to kind of uh, rest the system. And then when we want to focus it, we need to kind of turn it up. And so really what happens with effective learners is their ability to be persistent in re capturing that attentional spotlight and reapplying it to the, the information that they learn. So really nobody holds their attention for 20 minutes. What they do is they have short periods of inattention, but they're able to recapture them. So let's say they're maybe they're attentive for 15 or 20 seconds, and then for two or three seconds, they're inattentive, and then they're able to re-engage. And so that's, that's kind of, as, a, as an organism, that's a very successful strategy. Right. I can sample my environment, see if things are going on. It's very rare that we become so locked in and, and attentive to something that we completely don't even notice the world around us. Um, and you can see children do that. And, and that's a great thing. We shouldn't stop them from focusing. But it's not that common. Um, if you and I think about our day, Colin, probably we were able to be interrupted quite easily on most things that we were working on. Um, so we're not giving 100% of attention all the time, but we do need to be able to allocate it, you know, at, at a, on short notice. And what happens is that there are children that really can't allocate that um, on demand at short notice. And so we're trying to give them that feedback to say, you're trying to learn this content. Let's say it's a, a book you're reading and you just read 10 pages. For each page, what was your average attentional allocation measured by your brain activity? And so we can give you a real quantifiable score for each page. Now, you might be attending some of those pages quite well, but the pages that you didn't attend to, we want to refocus your attention to those pages and give you a chance to, to re-engage those pages and hopefully learn to go back and, and focus on that content. When we've done randomized clinical trials, uh, not clinical trials, but randomized trials with students, um, what we've seen is that refocusing results in better learning, better comprehension for those students, just by pointing out when they weren't attentive so they can now go back and, and review that content. So it provides them with a quantitative way to, to figure out, hey, I didn't focus on this. Then they go back and look at the content and they, they realize I didn't even pay attention wow, I need to, I need to learn how to control my attention span. I need mm. to learn how to, to refocus it. And when they do that, that results in better learning. So, so we're, we're really just providing them with a data driven feedback loop about their attention when they're trying to learn content. And most children, you know, over the age of 10, 
in 20 or 30 minutes, um, the, kind of the light bulb goes on and they say, I get it. I have to focus if I want to learn. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? that's right. Which, which again, you and I know that, but but we probably didn't when we were eight or nine. Sure. And It sounds, yeah. it sounds to me like there's a, a, a bit of a – uh, an attention audit going on, if you like. So rather than telling a kid to say, or rather than saying to a kid, please pay attention, perhaps what you could do just as an experiment, even as a teacher, just in class, you could you could just do something as if you were normally going to do it, like you hand out an exercise or something. And then at the end, as part of your recap, you could you could do that audit with the students and say, so just looking back, how much of your attention energy, I guess, if you like, were you actually applying to that and get the students to be mindful of what they've actually done in their brains, perhaps not what just not just what they've remembered, right? And it's that, and that's that mindfulness that is what teachers really like about what we're doing with kids. And so, and and I and I, you know, I think I, I use sports uh, examples because I think people think a lot about sports with regard to performance and and footballers or individuals that you know that they're playing rugby. Um, you know, um, a lot of your great players are able to relax. And then the minute they go out, you know, on the pitch or wherever the, the field that they're going to compete on, they're able to immediately just take a few seconds, kind of pause. And all of a sudden you see this entire different focus in them. Yes. So they weren't fo- they weren't focused when they woke up and had breakfast the entire day. They were able to relax, maybe smile, maybe tell a joke or two. And, and then they're able to focus. Why don't they want to be focused the whole day? Because they won't have any energy cognitively at the end of the day when they really need it. But the really good competitors, whether they're competing in mathematics or, you know, in, in, in the classroom or out on the sports field, they're able to really focus their attention and for that short time period, be super competitive, right? They, all of their resources cognitively are focused on being at their best and, it's that competitive element that you want kids to learn about, as you said, become mindful. And a lot of kids think being mindful is the teacher said, be attentive. And so what I do is I kind of squeeze my hands really hard, make my eyes bug out. And now I'm attending. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, 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 and so, and that's not the same thing, right? Attention really is kind of getting lost in thought about what you're trying to study. And, um, and, and what's interesting is, um, you know, there's attention that we bring to a task, and then there's the attention that, that, that the stimuli in our environment require. So if we go to a very busy urban city, uh, think of a picture of Times Square in New York, where there's all these neon signs and lights and people walking by and horns beeping, that you're, you, you know, as, 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 as a human, as a member of our species, all that information grabs our attention. And so we have to allocate resources just to suppress not not processing it and try and listen to, hey, Steve and Cullen want to have a conversation. And so we've got to f- somehow figure out how to focus while there's thousands of people yelling for a taxi cab, talking to each other, et cetera. Yeah. So the, so the world demands attention. And then you have this ability to allocate attention internally. And so we call the, the, the one bottom up processing resources. So the stimuli in our world require it. And then we have our top-down processing. And so we can actually measure those separately. Yeah. And, and so when kids are sitting in a classroom and they're thinking hard about something, but it's not connected to the stimuli in the world, it's not connected to the book in front of them or a computer screen or even the teacher, uh, their attention isn't as high. Their attention is much higher 
when they're writing, when they're thinking about what's immediately hitting their senses and trying to process it and understand it. And so that combination gives you the highest scores, so to speak, uh, in our system and is much more predictive of kids learning that content. I just wanted to come back to your comment previously about sports and the 20-minute time factor. There's been some interesting, uh, I guess you could call it pop science media on TV here recently about interval training. I don't know whether you're getting that in the States, about about people who want to exercise and they go really hard for short periods of time and, and they get really good physical results. Should we assume from that that short bursts of attention for a student are okay? Why, why are we trying to extend attention? Uh, interval training is a great example. Uh, and and uh, athletes are some of the, the most, um, you know, I don't know if people um, think about it, but when you think about people who are really focused on, on elite brain training, it really is a lot of athletes. Athletes understand that the difference between um, players physically um, at the beginning of a game might be quite large, but at the end of the game, it's actually quite small. And the real difference is who, who has that ability to stay focused, stay on task. And so interval training is about, as you pointed it, going really hard and focused for a short time period and then having a break and then going right back. And so it's that, it's that engagement disengagement. So it, it, so part of it, what's important with attention is learning how to focus it by also learning how to, how to defocus and, and kind of relax. Right. And so, and so it's, it's not so much that 20 minutes is, is a, is a perfect amount of time. It's that, um, you know, as you're, I'm sure you've heard in the, in the, in the common, uh, public media, you know, the idea that, that our attention span is getting shorter. <laughs> um, and, um, and it is in the sense of how we measure it, right? It, it really is the idea that we are um, trying to do so many different things at once that we, we have to take that 100% of energy and we allocate 15% to you know our computer, 15% to our phone, 10% to the person who's sitting near us in a, you know in the in the workplace at school, and. And that has a cognitive cost for your inability to process information deeply. Mm. And so, um, you know, they talk about the number of times where people are interrupted by email in a day or the number of times where people are interrupted uh, by somebody knocking on the door. Mm. Um, uh, we found it quite funny that the, the first group that we did a study with, we uh, were working with college students and we um, gave them this opportunity to, to you know, wear a, a, a consumer headset that allows their attention to be tracked while they're studying. And it tells them, you know, when their attention is higher and lower. And um, it was humorous to all the uh, older adults hearing, you know, 18 to 20 year olds tell us that, well, what they learned was that they really need to turn their phone off when they study. <laughs> and but closing their room, uh, their door to their room, um, that they got more, you know, quality learning done. Yeah. And so it was, but, but again, going back to your, your earlier comment, it's the idea that they've become mindful of it. That's really what's cool. I, I think that's really interesting because from my perspective as a teacher, I've often, as I said earlier in the, in the discussion, I've often just 
thought that I could ask students to just pay attention. But the reason why I wanted to come back to the sports example uh, and, and not wanting to sound like it, I just wanted to repeat what we've already said. It's becoming clearer to me now that, um, and this might sound simple, uh, but it's it's very interesting to me that what we're talking about here is identifying attention as a, as a skill that you can practice, as a skill that can be developed alongside of the, the, the curriculum material that you're trying to learn. And this idea of mindfulness brings that uh, knowledge of a person's abilities in the area of attention uh, to, their, to their own awareness, if you like. Oh, absolutely. And, and if you're familiar with Carol Dweck's work, um, where, she, you know, where they took middle schoolers and they asked them whether or not, um, you know, what I would call kind of the nature versus nurture element about doing well in, in an academic area. Uh, children that think that um, it's about hard work um, tend to do better as uh, as the year progresses. Um, and if you encourage that and you say, wow, you know, Colin, you did really well today. You must have worked hard on that task versus uh, saying, Colin, you did really well today. You always do well. You've always done well in math, haven't you? Mm. Where we make it sound like it's more inherent in you as a, as a, as a trait. Mm. If we use the ones that if we use comments to students and we encourage them, our own children or, or, or uh, students in class or students out on the on the sports field, if we use comments that make it sound like uh, persistence, hard work, uh, and effort drove that success, kids become more <laughs> driven by hard work and success. Yeah. So the language is really important. Absolutely, and and so the 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 element that again giving kids the ability to track their attention and see that they have some control over it. And for the first time they can kind of see it go higher and lower. Um, for them it is, is, you know, it's not magical in the sense that they don't, you know, but they get turned on by it. They really enjoy the idea that, that they're able to, in essence, track their brain activity. Yeah. I had, a, um, I had a student in a class. Sorry. I just, it just made me think of a, a, an experience that I just had recently. Uh, in fact, yesterday where, there was a student in my, uh, uh, well, we call it industrial technology class, and he was building something, and he was just really on fire. And I, I it, it really struck me. I thought, why, why is this student like this? And and I just, it, I just blurted it out. I just, I just looked at him and I said, why are you like this? <laughs> and he said, I don't know. And I thought, oh well, that wasn't very helpful. But now, in in, in light of this conversation, I'm thinking, well, actually, maybe it was because it actually made him stop and think. Well, why am I like this? Like this, and if and if I don't know, why don't I know? And I guess that's the beginning of the mindfulness process. Absolutely, and 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 uh, what what teachers are are, are uh, trying to achieve with many students is is help students understand that life that learning is a lifelong process, and you do you know you get out of it what you put into it, and that you know individuals that do better. Um, you know, uh, in high school, college, and later on, typically are the ones that put in the time, persistence, and effort. And it's not that that actually having a, a high IQ score, as an example, early in life is not so predictive of many things. It's really how persistent are you? Because mm. the, the individual, because, you know, now we know, you know, through lots of studies that, um, you know, lots of effort and training, um, you know, organized brain training uh, products out there uh, raise what we call measured IQ. 
And it, it's, you know, and, and so people are like, well, what do you mean? You, you don't have the same IQ score? Well, no, you don't have to have the same IQ score. Yeah. It can actually go up. And so, um, and of course, things can happen to you, you know, uh, concussions and other things that actually can take a few points away. Sure. Um, uh, again, not not to say that we can't recover them. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, but there really is this, you know, uh, what we were trying to do, um, you know, I had worked um, quite a bit on building brain training exercises. Uh, some of them have, you know, um, been recognized uh, at the research level for having, you know, very positive effects for helping individuals learn second languages and, you know, improve uh, cognitive skills and processes. But that those workouts have always required that you, it's kind of like going to the gym. You have to stop what you're doing that you want to get good at. So, you know, one day, you know, Cullen, you know, we all, we all, you know, say to ourselves, wow, am I, am I forgetting stuff that I used to remember? Mm. Um, Where did I park my car? Or I met 10 people today and I can only remember eight of their names and I used to remember 10. Um, And so we start to question our age related memory loss. And so a lot of us say, well, I know what we can do. I can go to an, uh, you know, an exercise gym and I can start to work on my memory skills and hopefully they'll get better. So the next time in two weeks or two months, when I go to another social event, I'll remember nine or all 10 of those of, of the new people I meet, you know, so my performance will go up. What we wanted to do was we wanted to build something that actually helped you think about the cognitive workout you get from your everyday activities, right? Yeah. The way we, the way we think about a, a, a Fitbit or, you know, an exercise band, um, you know, you get on the rowing machine, you want to know what your heart rate is right there at that moment because you want to drive it to a certain level, hold it for a while, and then watch it recover. We really think that, you know, in the near future, that's what will have elements of brain training the same way. We'll be able to, you know, find things that work our brain out, work it for a certain amount of time. We don't know the answer yet what, what that time period should be. Maybe it's five minutes, maybe it's an hour, I don't know. And then we'll look at our recovery rate. We'll look at, okay, now we're going to try and relax. How long does it take you to actually become mindful about a relaxed brain state where you're sitting there saying like meditation, because all the research in the world has consistently said individuals that meditate in the morning have a better day performance wise than individuals Mm -hmm. who don't. But people who meditate, will talk about how, how much better they got two years after starting it, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. and practicing. And so, so there, so all of this points to the idea that there's a practice effect. And in many ways, we don't have a lot of feedback on that loop. So, so our idea was if we can take a commercial grade EEG and give you that feedback loop, maybe we can facilitate these processes even better so that we have better cognitive workouts, better cognitive relaxation and better memory when we're actually trying to remember instead of, you know, going to just the gym to work out will actually be better when we're actually, you know, walking down the street. And so that's, that's kind of our goal is to bring this neuroscience training, not just into the gym, but into the real world so that you can wear a headset while you're at work. You can wear a headset while you're at home studying. Um, while you're reading a book that you need to to understand for work, that sounds uh, like a fascinating piece of hardware, and and certainly uh, when you consider it coming into the, uh, the the consumer universe like that, something that you could just go to the shops and buy. That sounds like an interesting discussion, which I'd like to delve into uh, more detail with, um, and I think uh, I think we'll we'll uh, come back to that one. So, um, Steve Miller, thanks for your time. 
thank you. This was uh, this was a, a great experience for me, and I, I look forward to uh, uh, to learning more um, uh, in the next conversation. So thanks. You've been listening to the Learning Capacity Podcast, brought to you by LearnFast Australia. If you'd like to get in touch with us about this podcast, you can send an email to feedback at learnfastgroup.com.au. And if you'd like to find out more about LearnFast, visit learnfasthome.com.au, where you can also subscribe to the blog. Until next time, bye for now.